Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 67th episode of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the British singer and songwriter Joe O'Mara, who's best known as the lead vocalist with the pop group S Club 7 from 1999 until 2003, since when she's reunited with members of the band and gone solo. This interview took place in London in 2001, when S Club 7 released their chart-topping single, Don't Stop Moving. Joe gave me a very honest account of her life from the very beginning. I was born in Rush Green, in Essex, 1979. Your family's still there? Yeah, family's still there. Um, we live in Collier Row, which is in Romford, and I've been there all my life, so... Has the Essex thing, is that a problem for you? Not for me, no. I do get a label, though. A lot of people go, oh, she's an Essex girl, and there's a lot of jokes behind it, but it's fine. Don't bother me. Quite a musical family. Uh, not really, no. My dad's got a good voice, and he, he did some, you know, a bit of club pub singing years and years ago. I don't know quite where... I get my voice from my dad, um, definitely not from my mum, and that's it. There's only really me and my dad. So are you kind of fulfilling your dad's dreams in a way? I think I might be, yeah, because I think my dad was offered a record contract years and years ago and he turned it down and I think he kind of regretted it, that he didn't do it. Um, so maybe. When did you first get interested in pop music and who in particular? Take That Days was when I first started getting into the pop music scene because I was a huge fan. About 93, yeah, when I was about 13. So presumably you've met them all now. I mean, what's it like to meet your idols? I haven't actually. I haven't. The only one I've ever really wanted to meet would be Mark Owen, but not now because, mm. you know, I, he's not my thing anymore. But back then it was like my walls were just plastered with Mark Owen and take that everywhere. I met Robbie and he was really sweet, but he's the only one that I've ever met actually. I'll take that. There's a lot of artists out there that I've got huge respect for and that I do look at as an idol in a way it's like Annie Lennox I grew up listening to her music and you know trying to be her on karaoke by singing Sweet Dreams and then I met her and she was everything I thought she'd be she's for how big she is she's such a huge star and she's so down to earth and so normal you know and she takes her kids everywhere with her and she's just she is amazing As a child what did you imagine you'd do with your life what did you dream of doing? changed every week when I was little. I wanted to be um, a majorette and then I wanted to be a doctor and then I wanted to be an air hostess. I never dreamed of being in this business. I never wanted to be in it. it just, I didn't even know I could sing until I was like bordering on 13 when my dad made me get up and do this karaoke and I didn't want to do it. A lot of kids nowadays, they stand in front of the mirror and they'll put on their favourite song and they'll sing in the mirror with a hairbrush. I did never do that as a kid. Was it, were you never one of those people who thought it really could be me or just felt like completely alien to your existence? It was completely alien. I just didn't think about it at all. It just never come into my, into my mind, really. Did anyone ever tell you when you were young that you were quite special, though, that you might be a star in something one day? My dad. My dad always said, um, for the first time I got up on stage, he went, you're going to be a big star, you, one day. And I went, oh, shut up. Just, actually, just a couple of days ago, he sat back and he went... Told you, <laughs> and I was like, "Shut up." <laughs> so him and a really weird thing is um, my nan, bless her, when she was alive. When I was like six years old, I used to get up and do little shows for her, and I used to sing her songs that I'd learned at school. And um, she turned around to my mum that night and she said, "You know, she's gonna she's gonna make something of her life, and she's really, you know, really talented." And I was like six years old then, and it went until like another six years later that I actually realised. But apparently my nan was a bit like that anyway, she knew things. But they obviously spotted something in you. Do you think you have always had a certain something? Yeah, I think, because I never had singing lessons or anything. Um, I think it's a gift, you know. I think if you can sing, it's a gift. Um, like, everybody in the world has got a gift, whatever it be that they do. Um, singing was mine. And they say that for every good thing in life, there's bad things. And you did, as you, as you explained, you've revealed that you were bullied at school yeah. and everything. Is that how you weigh it up? You kind of think, well, I've got a great life now, but I had to go through all that in order to get it. Definitely. I do believe that, yeah. I think if you go for a bad time, there's only a good time at the end of it. 
I think that now, I didn't at the time. At the time, I thought there was that was it for me. You know, I thought that's all there was in life, just getting bullied and beaten up every day by, you know, a school of kids. That's when it started getting really hard. But then one day, I don't know, one day I just... I got up on... Because it was really weird, because, you know, I was very shy and very quiet outside, of, like, in school and... But as soon as I got on stage, for some reason, it was like I owned it, and that was my my time to... And then I'd turn into, like, you know, just be out there and not care, and, you know, it's really weird. But then I'd get off stage, and if anyone come to me, I'd be going, you know, are you going to beat me up now? <laughs> what kind of response did you get to revealing about your bullying experience? A huge, it was... It was unreal, actually, because, you know, the story came out and then within about an hour um, I was told that so many people were phoning up the sun. Some were saying I was lying, some were saying it was true because they'd, you know, they'd seen it. And a lot of worried parents, I started getting involved with a lot of parents over it because they know their kids are into S Club 7 and I've been through it. Parents suddenly are like, brilliant, this is... You know, they thought that was good, which it is good because now I'm in a position to maybe help a lot of kids, which is why I've done it. Were you very much glad that you did it, or do you kind of regret it at any stage? I don't regret it at all. I, I regret that I was weak as a kid, but I don't regret the story one bit, because it can only do good, and it has done so much good. The amount of fan mail that I've got over it are through kids that are being bullied, and I'm getting these letters saying, you know, I'm 12 years old and I'm being bullied at school, but... Um, I listened to what you said and now I know I can make something of myself as well. You know, because you can. If you are being bullied, that's only one stage of your life and you'll end up the stronger one in the end. Do you still see your persecutors around and how do they feel about you now? I don't see them around, but I'm, I'd like to. I'd like to see them now. To see the look on their faces Definitely. when they see you and think, wow, that's Joe from S Club 7. Definitely, yeah. Because if it weren't for them... I don't think I'd be doing what I was doing today. So basically you're telling me that that made you determined to succeed in life? Yeah, definitely. It definitely made me determined because I know that a couple of the girls that have bullied me have got kids of their own now that are six, seven years old. And to know that them kids are going up to their mums who bullied me are going, can I have S Club 7 for my birthday? That's enough satisfaction for me to get back home. You know, it's good. You said that it made you determined to succeed, yeah. but with all respect, you're an ordinary girl from an ordinary background. Did mm. you kind of think, how on earth can I succeed? What have I got? Yeah, definitely. I did think that, but, you know, I got lucky. And I worked hard. I did my apprenticeship. I was working every night before the band, singing, and, you know, there was a lot of interest. I joined other bands. Um, I, re you know, released a song in Germany. I was doing a lot before the band. So in my, in my head, that was, I was already succeeding. It's not just S Club that's made me succeed. It's all sorts of things that I've done. But it seemed that your confidence was at an all-time low. So how did you get the confidence to... I mean, singing in front of an audience is a heck of a thing. That's my thing, though, you know. It's like I'm not a very confident person off stage. I am now, but I wasn't. But on stage, that's, that's my place, you know, to do what I want to do. Because no one can get you up there. No one can run up and drag you off the stage and beat you up. So it's the only time I felt that no one was going to get to me, so I'm going to give it what I've got. Going into show business, from that point of view, is a bit like going from the frying pan into the furnace, really, because you are putting yourself up there for ridicule and, and criticism, and you get that, whether you like it or not, which it is incredibly unfair, a lot of it. But So why would you want to do that? Because I'm good at it. That's the only thing in life I'm good at. I've never been very academic at school. I'm mathematically dyslexic, so I'm really bad with numbers. I'm not very good. I'm not very clued up academically at all. I admit it. I'm, you know, a bit thick. But I can sing you a damn good song, so why not? <laughs> you went to Italia Conti, didn't yeah. you, a little bit when you were a child. Can you just explain very briefly, in a nutshell, your route into show business? Well, I went from being bullied at school and then I took eight months off school because I was, you know, a nervous wreck. I couldn't do anything. I was become a bit agoraphobic, couldn't go out anywhere. And then after that, it was, you know, I had to go back to school. I was 13. So I got enrolled in the stage school and it was really weird for me to go from one school to another school where I goes into this stage school and people are kissing me. Hello. And I was like, whoa, what are you doing that for? Because I didn't know, because... 
you know, around my area, girls don't kiss each other, mm. you know, but in this business, everyone kisses everyone, didn't they? So I had these girls coming up to me, and I remember her name was Tony, and she gave me a kiss. She was the first person that um, come up to me, and I thought she was a lesbian at first. I was like, what are you kissing me for, woman? <laughs> but then I learned the ropes quite easily that, you know, you just do it. I stayed there for two years, and then I left. Then I turned professional at 15, you know, just working in pubs and clubs and did a lot of talent competitions. I was just out every night, basically, singing. Stopped doing that for a while, took a break again, and then started working at a restaurant as a country and western singer because my voice naturally has got a bit of country in it. I don't know where that came from, but it's there. Um, so I started singing a little bit of country and then got approached by somebody who worked for 19. And they said, I think you'd be perfect for the audition. So I come along for the audition and um, got picked for S Club. Just explain the story for the umpteenth time. Sorry. How it came about. There was a lot of auditions. Apparently there was, it was in the stage newspaper. Some people from the band had seen it through that. But I was singing in a restaurant and someone who worked at 19, which is our management company, was out having dinner. And I was up on stage doing my thing and then got approached two years later. That's the bad bit about it, which I don't always say in interviews because it's too hard to to get... Yeah, but basically I was, I was singing, it was all forgotten about. And then this woman from 19 managed to get hold of my dad and said, is Joe still singing? This was like two years after she'd seen me perform. And my dad went, yeah, yeah. And she went, has she still got blonde hair, you know, down to about her shoulders? And my dad was like, yeah. And she was like, well, I wanted to come along for an audition. That was really mad, because it was, like, two years on. And then I went for an audition, and then I met, met Simon. Simon made me sing about 100 songs. Get. This is Simon Fuller, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, made me sing loads and loads, and then, mm. until I had to say, you're hurting my throat now. And he was like, OK, but can you sing crazy just once more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I didn't hear anything for a few weeks. I thought, oh, I've not got it. And then I got recall to go back. And then the third time... I got a phone call saying, get your passport and St. Pat, you're flying to Italy tomorrow. So I was like, I was really scared because I was like, you know, I'm going to Italy with people I don't know. And, and then that's when I met the rest of the band and he looked at us as a seven and he went, that's the band. And that's how the name came about, was it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the club because it was always going to be something, you know, for the kids to join over the internet. The S because it was just a nice letter because <laughs> it's the best in the alphabet, and seven, because there were seven of us. Because there was only meant to be five in this mm. club. Now, what about you and your name? Did you think about changing it because you'd been bullied at school and you kind of didn't want people to know? No, not at all, not at all. I'd, I'd never changed my name because of it, you know. Was it the opposite? You kind of thought, I want them to know? Yeah, damn right mm. I want them to know. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't, you know? Mm. I had this complete turnaround in life where they nearly done me, they nearly killed me off because, you know, I was very suicidal. <laughs> and then I just shot up from nowhere and I went, turned it all around and became the stronger one. What was the turning point? What was the big break for S Club? Miami 7. It was really weird because we went off to um, America and we filmed it. And then when we got back, we'd been away for eight weeks and I'd never been away from home before. And I was really, I was crying every single day because I missed my mum and my dad and my boyfriend. And, and then um, we got home and I remember getting home because the day we got home was April the 8th and the show was on that afternoon. So I got back about 11 o'clock in the morning, caught up with all the gossip and then switched the telly on for the first episode. And then the next day, people going, there's that girl from that show. And I was like, whoa, that's how quickly it happened. Did it feel like that's everything I've ever wanted, people to point at me and say, that's the girl? No, I never wanted fame, ever, in my life. I don't know why. It's not, you know, you get a lot of people that that want the fame side of it. I've never wanted that. I just wanted to, you know, do, do something with my life. You know, if I could do this job and not have the fame, I would still do it. How long did you think the S Club success would last? I didn't know. It was really hard because, you know, you, it's so hard to put a time limit on any on any job, especially a band, because, they, you know, they can last a year and then they'll be gone. I really didn't know the answer. I still don't know the answer. Why do you think they've made it? What, the band? Mm. I think it's because most of the time London is very a grey place and it rains a lot and... We're just seven, you know, young kids in the sun, having a laugh. 
and it's good to switch on to that, you know, when it's like really raining outside, you switch the telly on and you're looking at Miami, it's nice, you know, and I think the kids can relate to us, like there's someone for everyone in there, it's like some people can relate to Rachel, some people can relate to Paul, and you know, there's a complete mix. So who relates to you? Who relates to me? Um, the young kids getting bullied relate to me, and parents relate to me. I think parents feel sorry for me now. They're like, oh, little Joe <laughs> got bullied at school. Do you like that sort of, that's your thing now, that that's what you're associated with? Wouldn't yeah. you rather have something else? No, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant because bullying is like a taboo subject. It's not spoken about enough, I don't think, and it goes on everywhere, in every school all over the world. So many kids are going through what I went through now, and, you know... I'm there to basically say, you know, you're going to make it one day. Just don't let them get to you. Don't, don't do what I done and go stupid and try and take an overdose of tablets because you've got so much to live for. Mm-hmm. And I'm there to, you know, say that really. Your blonde hair really makes you stand out. Is that something that you're particularly proud of? God, yeah, I'm from Essex. We've all got blonde hair in Essex. <laughs> Look at Denise. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I've always been a blonde. Not natural, but I've always been blonde. It must be an Essex thing. Does it not worry you, this sort of image that it has and the Essex? You're really quite proud of that, aren't you? Oh, yeah, why not? Absolutely. But too many people put Essex down, you mm-hmm. know, and they've brought out some great people. I think Denise went out and he's brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am proud of where I come from. Why be ashamed of it? Because everybody else says, you know, Essex is what it is. It don't mean that we are. I'm not, anyway. Do you think it's an advantage nowadays to be a band which has girls and boys in it? Yeah, I think, you know, before, because you had Spice Girls, which was all girls, you had Take That and Boys Zone, which were all boys. Why not mix the two? You know, and it works because there is someone for everyone then. There's the girls that can fancy the boys and the boys that can fancy the girls. And, you know, it's a good mixture. And it also shows that boys and girls can just be friends as well without having to have a relationship or anything involved. Do you think this style of pop has not passed its sell-by date then? I think it's more in now than it's ever been mm. pop, to be honest. I think it's a really, a really big thing. And I think pop is just getting a lot better as well. I mean, you've got... In sync and Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and you know and it, they're all good. I mean, I I do like pop music. Do you not find the sort of public image, particularly the media image, a bit frustrating though? That people think you're a bit throwaway and it's going to last. I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You know, um, we're not for everybody. We we completely understand that. Um, if you don't like it, you haven't got to listen to it. Basically, if we're on the radio and you don't like us, turn it over. It's no big deal. You know, it don't matter. But do you not wish you were in a more sort of critically regarded group? No, I I don't. I think everyone's got to criticise... I criticise us too. We all criticise each other. It's like... I wouldn't want to be perfect. Do you see Steps as the most strong competition? No, not at all. I think everyone in the business at the minute pop groups are rivals but not steps because we're completely different the only thing that's the same is there's boys and girls you know we're different we've got our tv show we've got little hour specials that come out and you know it's just a completely different thing how genuinely friendly are you with other artists don't really know that many don't really know that many it's like um steps we get on well with steps you know i could eat h up i think he's so lovely he's very sweet complete drama queen and Westlife, we get on very well with Westlife. But they're the only people that... But we don't know know them. Mm. They're not like, oh, how are you doing on the phone all the time? You just see them in passing, you know, because, like, we're busy, they're busy, you know, and you you talk for two seconds and they're, you know, Westlife are off for a photo shoot and we're off to do an interview, so mm. you just sort of make passing comments, really. You used to yearn for the success mm. that you have now. Is it all you hoped for? It's better. Yeah, I never expected it to be as it is now. It's really hard to explain it. Um, I didn't never dream of coming this far, especially from me, you know, the little West Six girl that got beaten up as a kid. But it's the best thing that ever happened to me because now I've got so much confidence and this band has given me so many opportunities to do whatever I want in life. 
I'm just a better person for it, to be honest. I can, you know, walk the streets with my head held high and not have to worry and look over my shoulder, and I'm not scared of anyone anymore. And it's all through the band, all through the people in the band, because the people in the band have made me what I am now. But they say it's lonely at the top. Is it less lonely when you're part of a band, do you think? Definitely less lonely. I'd hate to be on my own. I'd be really, really lonely. But, yeah, I can understand how artists, um, they say that, because... You're up there and you're having your photo done and people are screaming for you and you think that you, you know, you've got loads of friends but you haven't really. You know, you've only got... They're not your friends. You've only got your friends that you have at home. So your close friends are ones you've had from before all this happened? I've got one friend. What, in the whole world? In the whole world. Apart from the band and my family and my boyfriend, I've got one friend, yeah. That sounds terribly sad. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Now, my best friend, Laura... And we've been best mates for ten years. Because I never had friends at school. I didn't never have any friends at school. I didn't... No one liked me. (laughs) And to be honest, I'm glad they didn't, because I don't like them much. (laughs) Not now. But she's the only one that stuck by it. You know, she's seen what I've been through. But my best friend in the whole world is my mum and my sister. Why did no one like you? Because I was different. Because I sang, and it's like you go to normal school and you're a singer, suddenly everyone goes, you're a freak. That's just the way the way it works. The disadvantage of being in a group, presumably, is that you're more prone to fallouts and things. I mean, everyone has their individual life, don't they, and opinions and things. Is that always an awareness in your brain that it might cause problems? No, we get on so well. You'd think if we was going to argue, we would have done it a long time ago because we've been together for three years now, and I can honestly say we've not had one massive argument, ever. And a lot of people think that we made that up for good press but if you see us all together a lot of journalists they think oh you know they're just saying that just a front just a front but actually when journalists have been about and they don't know we don't know they're about they look at us and they're like me, they do get on because I think it helps because there are boys and girls you know I love them all to bits except for Bradley he can be a <laughs> bit of a toe rag at times <laughs> if we had a fallout then we wouldn't be in S Club anymore we're not going to go around kidding people and hate each other behind the scenes, but, yeah, love each other to death on the TV, because it wouldn't work, because we're all too honest. You know, if I've had an argument with Rachel, everyone knows, I'd sit like that. I'd be like that on the telly as well. So. Quite scary, <laughs> 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 And me and Rachel do have some funny arguments, because we're so close, we're like sisters, so, therefore, we argue we're like sisters. I can go and talk to Paul, and she can go and talk to John, and we can get away from each other like that. Whereas if, I think if it was just two people or three people in a band, you can't escape anywhere. But with seven, you can. So it works out fine. You're usually seen as the leader of the group. Does that cause problems? And you're the first person people think of when they mention S Club 7. Do they? I didn't know that. It must be the blonde hair. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because, you know, a lot of people say that I'm the lead singer of this band. Um, I do sing a lot of the songs, I admit, but that's not because I'm the lead singer. It's just the songs that have been chosen to be singles have suited my style of voice more than it has, say, Hannah's or Rachel's or whatever. But everyone in the band can sing, and, you know, you've only got to listen to the album to know that, because everyone has their own songs. It's just the way it's worked out, singles so far that have been released, I've probably took the lead on most of them. Many of your fans are very young children. Is that quite scary? Is that a hell of a responsibility? It is quite scary in to a certain degree as far as we're human beings as well and, you know, we're seen as, say, a role model. Yeah, we all make mistakes, you know, but never in front of the kiddies. You know, the kids are what we're for. I like being a role model because I'm quite a sensible person anyway. I don't drink, I don't, you know... I don't do drugs and I don't, you know, go out and be genuinely stupid because I'm a bit of a home burn. I stay at home most of the time, you know, because I've got a family at home. Like, well, I say my family, it's me and my boyfriend and my two dogs. <laughs> so I like to get home to them so I'm not in any danger of getting in any trouble when I'm out. Well, that's hardly the rock and roll image, is it, really? Do, oh, do you get a bit knocked for that? People say to you, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, the band do. The band try and drag me out of the top. They're like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, I just want to get home to my dogs and my boy. <laughs> but that's me, you know. I'm a very family, family-orientated person. I like my family too much, and I don't like clubs. I hate nightclubs. 
but you've had to grow up very fast because you're in the public eye and you know as you indicated you can't exactly swear in public like you would no. perhaps normally or whatever mm. you can but you just don't be stupid with it you know because there are a lot of people looking at you um and especially the kids are looking at you all the time. You can still be a human being, you've just got to be a bit more sensible with it when you're in the public eye. People imagine when you're in a pop group, particularly, people <clears throat> will be coming at you with drugs and trying to get you into this and get you into that. Have you experienced that? I've been offered it. I've been offered it loads of times in the past, but I think you've got two roads in life, you know, and you choose what path you're going to go down, and drugs have never interested me. How restricted are you by your fame? Uh, how much of a pr- prisoner of success are you? Not really at all. Obviously, going shopping, you get recognised and you sign a lot of autographs. But the way I see it is, if I was a kid out shopping with my mum and I'd seen Take That, I would want to go and get their autograph, and that would have made my life, you know. And that's the way I look at it. When you get a little four-year-old little girl come up with them big sparkly eyes, you know, it's going to make their day. So it's good. It's nice to do it. But I'm not going to say I love it all the time because there's sometimes when I'm in a real rush, you know, and I'm rushing about and I'm trying to get things done and you're getting stopped and you're like, oh, OK, but then I have to rush off and I feel really bad for that. How did you come to be so sensible? You, you've got a very sort of sensible, down-to-earth, almost head girl type image. I know, I don't know. I've, I've always been like that, always, since... the since about 15, 14 I've been like that. I think it's the way I was brought up. I was always brought up to be sensible and not rush into things and I've been sensible with a lot of big things in my life. I think you either are or you ain't. I'm like the sensible girl of the S Club. <laughs> can you see though how you could easily be led down the wrong path? Yeah, I can see it. I can see how people go down the wrong path because it is so easy to do that. But that's when you've got to think to yourself, OK, I can take drugs and wreck my life, even if it's not your whole life, because people can come out the other side. But if you start getting into the cocaine and the crack and, you know, your life's ended, basically, or you can stay away from it and live a good life and have kids and get married and, you know, you can go on. Can you tell us a little bit about the home that you live in, the house that you live in? Is it really luxury? Oh, no, 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 it's not like some huge mansion, don't, you know, people do think that of me, they think I'm living in, you know, a big, huge house. I've got um, a three-bedroom house. Isn't it a bit dangerous to have an ordinary house in an ordinary street? Don't you need to be behind barbed wire and stuff? No, not at all. I get loads of kids knocking at my door. All the time, they're knocking. Can I have your wife? It's gone, no, go away. Do you think ultimately, though, you'll have to progress to a more secure house? At this stage, I'd say no. No. But who knows? It depends what happens with S Club. If it starts going spy scale level, then maybe. I'm not one of these people that... I'm not untouchable. You know, a lot of people are untouchable. Like, say, Madonna. She's, you, just, you couldn't go up to her and ask for an autograph. I couldn't anyway. And Michael Jackson. They're, like, untouchable people. Whereas with S Club... You, you know, you want to come over and speak to me, come and have a chat. You know, that's mm. just what we like. So, therefore, I don't think we do need bars because I think if you start putting bars up around your house, suddenly you're untouchable. Mm. That's how I feel anyway. If you live in a normal street, in a normal house, and kids knock and you can open the door and go, yeah, come in, you know, it's nice. How much do you get in the way of fan mail? Um, I get quite a lot to my house. There's always um, letters... Like, every day there's at least, you know, 10 or 12. Like, but on a daily basis, that's, that's quite a lot. But I think Bradley gets a lot. And in the office we get a lot of fan mail. But the kids, they're so sweet around my area. They really are. They're so polite. What about obsessive fans? Do you have any of those, a bit nutters, who write you...? Never. Never had an obsessive fan, no. But no, I've always been lucky like that. Does it worry you, though, the, the potential for that? Because you're, you're very exposed being in the public eye all the time. Mm. No, it doesn't bother me. No, we don't need security mm. at the minute. We're all fine doing as we, you know. That's the one thing I don't like about the business is get a name for yourself and suddenly people want to take you to the toilet. Like, I'm 21, I can do that. In some countries, they don't know quite how big we are there. or So then suddenly you've got two security men taking you to the toilet and it's like from there to there that gets really annoying i really don't like that because at the end of the day you know i'm capable of doing that myself (laughs)
Okay, do you want to that really spooky? Yeah, but this is really, really true. Okay. Right, you might think I'm lying because it is too surreal. Just... When I was really young, when I was about seven or eight, I used to have these dreams, yeah. I had the same dream continuously for two years. Same thing every night. It was a really weird-looking man, looked like an alien. And he either used to drown me in a bath or throw me off the edge of a cliff. Years later, I'm doing this talent competition, right, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for my turn, and I look across, and he's over there, and he's sitting there. And the weird thing is, he came over to me. I've never met him in my life, and he whispered in my ear, you know who I am, don't you? No, I know. I told Bewitch that, and Adele, she just went, <laughs> Weird-looking man. Really odd-looking. Yeah, and he started stalking me again for a bit. But he wasn't really a fan. That's not really a fan. Yeah. He weren't really stalking. It'd just be wherever I was, he'd be there. Just really, really odd. Really odd. And then he went away. Blimey. That's really weird, isn't it? That's very weird. Um, so how old were you when you had the bad dreams, then? About seven or eight, and this happened when I was, like, 13, 14. But that's good, because I, I really believe that that was a guardian angel or something weird giving me those dreams on purpose mm. to warn me of him. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, I think yeah, if yeah. I hadn't had them dreams, he could have took me off and done yeah. something to me. But I just clocked it straight away. I was like, I don't trust you one bit. Get away from me. The other danger is that people tell you how wonderful you are all the time. And I know that you're a very level-headed girl. It's unlikely to get you. <coughs> but it must be a bit tiresome and constantly saying, oh, you look lovely, you look fantastic, your voice is splendid and everything else. <laughs> Do you ever tell them to shut up? <laughs> no. Our team that work with us are very honest. If they don't like something, they go, that sounds awful. And mm. you're like, oh, well, thanks a lot. Mm. You know, and if we do look nice, they'll say, oh, you look nice. And you're like, yeah, cheers. And if you look rough, they go, God, you look rough. And you're mm. like, yeah, thanks. Mm. You know, it's like that. It's not like we've got people pampering us 24 hours a day going, oh, my God, darling, you're wonderful, because mm. that's not the way it is. Now, S Club have yielded to the demand for... Um posing for men's mags yeah. is that something that you don't feel comfortable about then no i don't i've never been into the men's mag thing i don't i'm not a posy person you know i don't like wearing next to nothing and going you know mm. and pouting and all that it's not my cup of tea but you did it joe but i did it because it's my job to do it can't you put your foot down and say no i'm sorry no because it's publicity at the end of the day you know it is i mean i just don't feel comfortable I don't know, it's like, if you wanted me to talk about gardening or houses or relationships, fine. You know, mm. that's my thing. Wearing next to nothing is not. I'm not into taking my clothes off. You know, it's just, I just don't like it. But I did it because it's my job. But that's as far as I go. You did it, but you kept your shorts on? God, yeah. Mm. But the others didn't? No. They've all got better bums than me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I wouldn't. I would never go naked. I wouldn't care if someone come up and offered me a billion pound. I wouldn't do it. And what about having children? Do you hope to have some? God, yeah, soon. I'd love kids. I can't wait to have kiddies. But my work has got to come first at the moment. But when S Club's finished and, you know, I'm out of that, then I will, definitely. See, the thing is, I don't want to have a baby. Say I had a baby now. I don't want to have to rely on nannies to look after my child because I believe that... If you're going to have a baby, you've got to raise it yourself. There's no point. Why have a baby and then have a nanny come up to you and go, oh, your baby's just said mm. its first word and you've missed it. You know, that would be devastating. So when the S Club's finished and I can 24 hours a day be with that kid, then I'll wait till then. Why are you so keen to have children so quickly? It's not that I want children so quickly. It's just in my life, I had two ambitions, and one was to make a success out of whatever it is I will do, and the next is to, you know, find someone I love, get married, have babies and live in the cottage in the country. I feel like I'm fulfilling my first one. Do you not think that, um, like, having children would sort of lose some of your appeal? Because people look at you, a lot of the blokes will buy your records and go and see you because they <coughs> fancy you, basically. But if they know okay. you've got kids and you're married and stuff, isn't that a bit of a downer for them? I wouldn't do it in the band... You know, I would never do it with the S Club, but when the S Club's finished and um, my name's died down a bit, then I will. So, no, I don't think men look at me like that anyway. They don't. It's Rachel, in it? Rachel's our little sex symbol. She sells our records, bless her. <laughs> Does that cause a few problems with the other girls? Not at all. She's good at it. She looks good. She's got a good body. She's beautiful. You know, if you got it, flaunt it, you know.
But you're not so bad yourself. Come on, darling. <laughs> no. Um, no, I'm not going to sit there and say that I'm absolutely 100% dog rough, but I don't believe men look at me and fancy me in that way. But do you think you'd have got in the band if you were ugly? I'm not saying I think I'm ugly. I'm just saying... No, but, uh, nor am I. But, I mean, do you think you'd have got anywhere if you weren't good-looking? This is so sad to say it, but... People don't want to look at ugly people, so if someone's really ugly, the chances are they won't get into a band. And that is really bad, because at the end of the day, it should boil down to the talent. But it's not about just talent anymore, is it? It's about the whole thing. The way you look, the way you dance, the way you talk, the way you walk, everything. What do you want to achieve with S Club 7? Where do you want it to go? Because you're trying on America now, aren't you? Yeah, we want to try and do America. It's going really well at the minute. Um, We've never had a dream come true. But that's such a hard market. We just have to wait and see. But, yeah, once we've done America and we've done the tour and the movie, I think we would have fulfilled more or less all we wanted to. Tell me a bit about the movie, if you will. What's it about? don't really know that much about it yet, to be honest. Um, I think we're doing it later on this year or next year. I think it's going to be something to do with our tour. But I don't know what it's called. Because we've not seen any scripts yet. So it's really hard. Now, the tour is your first tour. Mm. There's a hell of a lot of expectation on you because presumably the critics are out there ready to have a go, saying they can't really sing, so let's see if they can. I can't wait because we can. You know, we can do it live. And um, I sang live for most of my life, so to get back out and do it live again is going to just be brilliant. But even if you sing, like, Whitney Houston, they're going to criticise it, so whatever, let them get on with it. Fine. But you do most of the lead vocals. Is that an extra pressure on you? It is. It is. It is going to be a bit of a tax for me. Um, but I'll be. I'll be all right. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> Are you having sleepless nights at the moment over it all? Not yet. I'm sure I am going to though. Nearer the the first night, it's going to be a difficult one. But I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's like a good opportunity to actually meet the fans, presumably, because you meet them at hotel rooms occasionally. Well, I don't mean hotel rooms, but hotel (laughs) foyers. We do actually meet them at hotel rooms. They knock on your door. They knock on your door. Bradley, yeah, it was... Bradley was in his boxer shorts. There was a knock at the door, and I think he thought it was Hannah and John coming over because they was just going to have a bit of a night in. And he's opened the door in his boxers to, like, 20 screaming girls going, Bradley! And he was like, who? Because he's, like, was looking really bad. Pop stars uh, who are male tend to have more of a reaction. Is that a bit frustrating for you gals? No, not at all, not at all. Girls are very dramatic like that, aren't they? I mean, they scream. You know, boys don't really scream. But no, it's fine, it's fine. What's the funniest reaction you've ever experienced? The other day when we was in, where was we? France, we was in France. And me and John was outside and this girl just come up crying her eyes out and just threw herself around me and was just hanging I was just holding this girl like this and she was going <gasps> she couldn't even breathe I was like oh my god I went why are you crying and she was just like mm. that's quite weird when they do that is it scary to think that on the other side of the world people have your pictures yeah it's pretty scary it is because you go somewhere that you've never been to in your life it was like we went to Chile never been there in my life yet everyone knows my name that's really weird. When they go, oh, all right, Joe, you're like, yeah, all right. I got really paranoid about that when the band first started out, because I'd be sitting on the bus, and then I'd look around and people were staring, and I'd be getting the ump. I'm like, what are you looking at? And they'd be like, aren't you? And I'd go, oh god, yeah, that's why. <laughs> How normal a life are you able to lead? Pretty normal. It's fine. I still go out shopping down Lakeside, you know, <laughs> down the old Blue Water. I'm still. Going to my bingo with my mum every Sunday night. It's fine. What do you do with all the money you earn? Gamble it. <laughs> you don't. Not you. No, no, not me. I treat my family a lot. You know, I just pop up with the odd present here and there that they're not expecting. Um, my house. I bought my house. I just live comfortably. I'm not a millionaire, but I'm not. No, I'm not. People think we are, but I'm not. I'm really not. Um... I just spend it on anything, and when it runs out, it runs out. I enjoyed it. I could get killed by a bus tomorrow. Can't take it with you. But people would think, if she's not a millionaire, something must be going pretty wrong here. <laughs> no, it's not that things are going wrong. It's just people think that 
you're in a band and then your first record suddenly you're worth millions and it's not the way it works you know you have to wait ages and ages for royalties to come through and and whatever and because there are seven of us everything gets split so maybe I would have been a millionaire if I'd be on my own but there's seven people to, to share that out amongst so it takes us a lot longer than anyone else but presumably you're now comfortable to survive the rest of your life without having to go and do a job no no, not, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd like to be, but not yet. Maybe one day. So have you actually got some serious investments apart from your house? Um, I've got two houses. They're my investments at the minute. Where's the other one, then? My mum and dad, I bought it for them. So. A real Elvis Presley gesture there. Really? That's what he did. He bought his parents a house and he bought his parents a car and everything else. Is that what you do? Oh, I spend it all on my mum and dad if right. I could, yeah. I don't mind the odd present for myself. <laughs> Does it frighten you that it might all disappear one day? No, I don't think like that. That's not my view on life. If it runs out and I've, I end up, you know, doing a nine-to-five job again and be worth no money, then fine. I wouldn't want to blow it and then get myself into all sorts of debts and troubles. And But I'm just saying, if the band ended and it just all went wrong... Yeah, I'd be upset for the band because, you know, it it would be sad, but from a personal point of view, it wouldn't ruin me. So have you ever considered a solo career yet? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And how far have those thoughts gone? No, not very. I've only just thought about it, but after Rest Club, I probably will do maybe an album. But at the minute, it's not about me. It's about Ice Club 7, and that's all I concentrate on. But, I mean, everyone in the band's already thinking about what they're going to do afterwards. You know, you do, because we've been doing this now for three years. S Club 7 ain't going to last forever, and you've got to start planning what it is you want to do afterwards. But people like Mark Owen, for instance, who've left very successful pop bands, haven't necessarily gone on to fulfil the potential that was expected of them. Does that concern you? No, because if people don't like it, then I'll have a baby, and then I'm fine. I'm really weird. I've got a really weird view on life, actually, because nothing really worries me. Mm. Whatever happens, I'll take it, because after what I've been through, I can, you know, I can take it. Basically, the fear of failure isn't greater now you're more successful, then? No. You're more worried about failure now? No. I would have hated to have got to, say, 45 and thought, I wonder what would have happened if I'd joined that band. I joined that band. I lived the dream. If it ends, at least I did it and I fulfilled it while it lasted. Is there any one thing you've achieved with S Club that made you sort of go, yes, that's it, I've really done it now? Number one. With your first single? Yeah, definitely, that's all it needed for me. And to do the concert, which we're doing, then I'm happy. Tell me about the moment you heard that that first single had made it. We was in a van on our way to do a big gig. There was like 60,000 people there, and it was one of our first big ones. And we're in the van, and it's Sunday afternoon, about one o'clock, and we get a phone call from Simon, and he says, you've done it, guys, and we'd just pulled up. And as we'd just pulled up, we looked up, and you could see the sea of people, and yet we've just been told we're number one. And that was pretty unbelievable, because about ten minutes late, we had to go on stage and perform it as number one. That was amazing. Were you concerned about following it up? Because they say, you know, getting there is all right, but staying there is the problem. I think, yeah, I think maybe it did go through our heads. Like, you know, you have a a number one hit, you've got to try and follow it up with another one. I don't think it really matters that much. I mean, we didn't have another number one until our last single, Never Had a Dream Come True. But they're all in the top three. So as long as you're in the top ten or the top 20, you know, you've had a success. I mean, we've been lucky enough to... I think it's two number ones, four number twos and a number three. It's not bad going, is it? Do you find it hard to believe? Do you sometimes have to pinch yourself? When you wake up in the morning, do you think, am I still in S Club 7? I think we've been together too long to think, am I still in the S Club 7? Because I just wake up now and think, oh my God, is it that time already? (laughs) Where I've got to get up and, you know, start smiling. But, yeah, it, it has been a complete dream come true for me to do it. It really has. And... I wouldn't never change anything about this band. You know, if I could go back and change something, I would never. Because it's been brilliant. I made six new friends as well, which they are, I can honestly say, my mates. And, and no matter what happens, 
Alf Dress Club. I know I'll stay in touch with them all. People imagine you are living an absolute dream existence every day. Is it like that? It's not as people think it is. A lot of people think, you know, you do Top of the Pops maybe once, twice a week, you walk on red carpets, you go to show business parties, and you get paid millions. But the reality is you work 18-hour days sometimes, you work seven days a week, and you get really, really tired. And there's not so many of those parties going on, really. Do you enjoy them? Because I can't. I mean, you're, you say you're quite shy, and you seem to be quite a shy person. So going to parties must be quite an ordeal for you. I don't go. I don't go to them. I just go home. Because if there's a party going on, the management know I don't really want to be there. So I'd rather get home. You know, get home to my own life. When you're at home, do you watch a lot of telly? And so what, what sort of you, what are you into at home? Oh, pop stars, loving it. Right, it's great. Pop stars, Coronation Street, EastEnders, Ollie Oaks. Family affairs, love it. I'd be a right duster if I went in this band, you know. I think I'd just sit home and watch soaps all day. Would you like to be in a soap? Because I imagine you'll get an offer or two sooner or later. No, I'd like I'd like to do what Robbie Williams done and just have um, a walk on part in EastEnders, like just be in the background on the phone. Like, Ooh, <laughs> Mom, I'm in the Queen Vic. <laughs> I'd like to do something like that. Um, acting's not really my thing, though. Right. You know, I before doing them, you know, Vest Club in LA. And Miami, I'd never acted at all in my life. I was just, you know, Joe, you're in this band. I was like, brilliant. And you're doing a TV show. I was like, ugh, never acted in my life. It worked out all right. But I wouldn't want to take it anywhere else, you know. This was a very popular trend for artists joining up with other artists and doing a song together. I think you did that ABBA medley, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, is that, does that sort of inspire you to work with any particular artists? Um, I would love to work with Brian Adams. Because I've got like all his albums, I think he's brilliant. There's no one around at the minute that I'd really want to work with, but if I could choose someone from the past, I'd want to do something with Luther, because he's just Luther Vandross. He's he's just got a voice of velvet. I think he's brilliant. So it's more older people I'd like to work with because I've got quite old taste. I like the sixties a lot. I liked, you know, I grew up listening to Connie Francis, Brenda Lee, and Patsy Cline. So, you know, I was never really into the pop scene. But Lionel Richie, I'd like to work with. I'd like him to write me a song. So if you're out there, Lionel. <laughs> Do you have any famous fans? Does, has anyone ever commented in your voice and said, I'd like to work with her, or I'm a big fan of hers? No. No. Well, apparently Graham Norton likes us, though. So that's cool, because I like Graham Norton. He makes me laugh. <laughs> Does that mean you have a big gay following? I think we do have quite a big gay following, you know. We did um, G.A.Y. and it went down great. You know, they love Paul. <laughs> you know, so Paul has to always get roped into doing the gay magazines and stuff. But no, yeah, I do think we've got quite a big gay following, which is great. You mentioned just now you like the Pop Stars TV series. Did you think it was a responsible programme, that it was handled well? Um, I think it was completely over-dramatised. It was silly Nigel. It's like, it's, it's nothing like that. It's not. It, well, I suppose it is, but it's not as traumatic as they made it. But obviously, they had to make it a little bit more, you know, shush it up a bit for the TV. But I just like watching it, because I know Nikki Chapman really well, because she works with us. And we've met Nigel a few times, because, you know, we go to his studios quite a lot. And Danny's my favourite member of the band. When you watched them being turned away, turned down, did you kind of feel that could have been me? No. I just watch it as I'd watch EastEnders. I don't really... The, the only thing that was really weird, the first one that was on, they was all singing Reach in their auditions. And I'm sitting at home, and I couldn't get my head round it because I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, they're singing my song. Do you know what I mean? And then at the end of the show, I think they did a big, like, wide shot, and then there was about 500 people singing Reach. And it does make you go a bit, oh, it's a bit weird. It's amazing, though. But no, I don't think of being turned away because I'd never really done that many auditions in my life. I think S Club like, was probably like my second audition I've ever been for because I've never really been into getting into bands or you know, doing musicals where you have to go for an audition. I always just went into a pub and go, got any work going, I'm a singer. And they'd go, yeah, go on and do Friday nights. I'd be like, cheers. <laughs> so. What's your message to... The people who aspire to be pop stars, children who aspire to be you. If you really believe and you really want to do it, then go for it. But it's not as easy as you might think it is. It's a lot of hard work. And you've got to really want it as well. 
how much of your success do you attribute to luck and how much to hard work? I'd say 30% of it was luck and the rest was hard work because we have worked hard from the start until now. We've worked really hard. You know, we've done months with, without a day off, 16, 18-hour days, sometimes 20-hour days. So I don't think we've just fluked it and got lucky all this time. I think what we've got, we've worked damn hard for. Does the fickleness of the industry concern you, that one minute you're in, one minute you're out? No, I just think that's the way it is. There's so many bands out at the minute and there's so many coming out at the minute that there's not room for everybody, you know, so therefore you're in and you're out. It don't bother me, I don't think about it. But does it make you want to rush out your next single in case too much time goes past in between? Not really, because, you know, it's hard for us to rush out a single because we're always doing, it's like, we're always off filming and stuff, so you can't rush out, you know, singles out and stuff. Um, whatever happens, happens. If they don't want us anymore, we won't be there. But they do at the minute, so... What's your prediction for the future of the band? Do you think another couple of years, or what? Yeah, I'd say about another two, three years. It's, it's really hard to, to say, you know, because you don't really know what the kids want. If the kids are still enjoying it after three years, we'll still be there. You know, as long as we're still enjoying it as well. Because I think as soon as we stop enjoying it, then it's not going to be S-Club anymore, so we'll stop. If it's not solo success for you after the band, is there anything else in the industry or in showbiz you consider? No. No. I don't want to do anything. I'd like to do a solo for a bit. Not for years, just for a little bit, so I can, you know, achieve that. The ultimate goal after is to have my kids. How many do you want? Two. Right. I've got a feeling I'm going to have twins, though. It's just going to be a nightmare. Because my mum's an identical twin. It runs in our family. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it might be me. This is Peter Jonathan Robertson. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Joe O'Mara from S Club 7 in 2001. If you'd like to comment on this or any of my other interviews in the PJ archive, you can find me on Twitter at Peter Jonathan R. 2.